Welcome to another episode. I am V, and this is the Sussex Set. Yes, I'm back with another one. And I definitely want to start this one off with some good news. I don't want to make the mistake of leaving out all the positive things that have happened since the last episode. So I'd like to brag on my people. You feel me? So first and foremost, Danny didn't get a chance to brag on her in the last episode. That was actually the day that she shared the news that Harry and Meghan had called her. So I'd like to do that now. Of course, thank you so much for organizing Archie Day. But also thanks for sharing that conversation you had with Harry and Meghan about the fundraiser which wouldn't have been possible without your organization and and the time that you took to put that together. But then also all of you guys that are listening, that you engage with the community and you just made sure that 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 was a success. So uh, thank you to, to you and to everybody. And aside from like the laughing and the joking about the squad shenanigans, and there are a lot of shenanigans, um, and Harry and Megan, maybe possibly seeing some of the tweets and things like that. It really does make me feel great to know that they know they have support. So Sussex Squad isn't just a mouthpiece. It's an action-oriented group of people who started out defending Harry and Meghan from the terrible treatment that they've experienced. We started out defending them from the hypocrisy of the media. But we're also a group of people who care about what's at the heart of what Harry and Meghan are trying to build. So we are letting the world know over and over that we intend to build with them and especially now. So thank you, Danny, Tina, Michelle, Free, everybody, Emmy, everybody that really pushed that. And of course, to all of those who donated and made sure Archie Day was a success. So kudos to you guys. And along the lines of Harry and Meghan making impacts and that being at the crux of how they operate, there's been a lot of things that have happened really with just within the last couple of weeks. We saw where Megan called the young lady that was assaulted in Wisconsin, I believe it was. So Althea Bernstein, an 18-year-old young woman who was minding her business, was assaulted by a group of men along the lines of her race. And thankfully, she was able to get to safety. But surely the traumatic scars of that not just the physical ones, will stick with her for probably the rest of her life. And so it was really nice to hear that Megan reached out to her directly. Certainly Althea should be applauded for her strength. And I'm really happy to hear that Megan reached out to her and let her know that there's somebody who is rooting for her. Many people are rooting for her, but it was really, it's really nice just to see that Megan is a type of person who constantly is showing people who she is. She's not really showing anybody anything. She just is who she is. But because she is Megan, the Duchess of Sussex and Megan Markle, a famous person or what have you, things like this will make the news, but don't get it twisted. Megan doesn't do this type of thing for headlines. Megan does this type of thing regardless of a headline. There are so many things that have come out only after she became a global figure, Mary and Harry, that reveals that this very type of thing is something she's done on a very regular basis. Uh, When she had the TIG and when she was already making it as an actress. So this is right in line with who she is. This is why people love her. 
And in these times where your safety is really not guaranteed, even just walking down the street, it's really important for those who do have voices to use those to say, in essence, we're on the same team. I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm not going to leave you behind. I'm not going to act as if your experience is irrelevant because all of us are responsible for all of us feeling safe. Megan had reached out to the CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of Dane County, and he was responsible for the two women speaking to one another, having that conversation. His name is Michael Johnson. And you might have saw the tweet that he sent out basically in disbelief that Megan had reached out to him, but it was really generous of him to connect the two of them. And he also mentioned that at a future time, Megan is going to speak to the girls of Wisconsin and they're working on getting that on the calendar. But Althea, we are wishing you strength and resolve. And we know that there is a larger plan for your life, whatever that happens to be. But we know you have a story to tell. So please stay strong and know that there is a group of people out here rooting for you. And more good news on Harry's end. He is continuing his work with Walking with the Wounded, which is a charity that he has been a patron of since it was founded in 2010. Walking with the Wounded is a military charity for injured veterans in the UK. And what it does is it supports a pathway for vulnerable veterans to reintegrate back into society and sustain their independence. And at the center of that effort is making sure that these men and women are gainfully employed. That's the quickest way to be reintegrated back into society. What they've also done is since 2010, they have organized expeditions in extreme climates in parts of the world. So the North and South Poles, you may remember Harry joining those expeditions in some video across the USA and this November, they will be doing a trek across Oman. Now, the purpose of these expeditions is to, one, raise awareness for walking with the wounded and to provide inspiration for those servicemen and women who are coping with injury and disability. Also to demonstrate that they are able to achieve anything at the highest level. Those expeditions are pretty hard for anyone, <laughs> wounded or not. Okay, so almost anything is possible with a team. And so that's one of the great things that Walking with the Wounded as an organization emphasizes is teamwork, community, and the role it plays in the undertaking of any major task. I believe the phrase is, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. So Walking with the Wounded and these treks and expeditions that they do perfectly demonstrates that saying. And it's great to see Harry continuing to show commitment to his charities, especially ones that are centering around veterans who may deal with challenges mentally, physically, because that that's not something that you just turn off. And so his commitment to that has really just been heartwarming and it's great to see. He hasn't mentioned whether or not he would be joining this trek in November, but either way, I look forward to learning how the trek goes. 
And another bit of good news for our girl Megan is that she and Edward Innenfull are out here just still winning awards, child, and we love it. So they won an award, a PPA award for the Vogue magazine, the Forces for Change magazine that was released almost a year ago. And it turned out to be the best selling issue of British Vogue ever. They won the award for its content. So it was a, a diversity award. And I first saw Mr. Innenfull's tweet announcing that they had won the award. And then shortly later, Megan released a statement saying, I'm honored to have this very special issue recognized. Creating Forces for Change with Edward was an opportunity to have the September issue of Vogue reflect the world as we see it, beautiful and strong in its diversity. Huge congratulations to Edward who helped bring this to light and for his additional honor of being awarded best editor by PPA. So congrats to Mr. Annenfull and to congrats to Megan. We still stand. We, we love that issue, not just because it's so bold in, in the content that it brought forth to an audience that, you know, at least for Vogue, hasn't been the most inclusive, but also just because it was a great issue. The thoroughness and the organization and work ethic involved was readily apparent. So thank you for creating something that really is timeless. So with that, there are no signs that the Sussexes somehow can't thrive without being senior royals or being in England even. Because that magazine was widely praised, yes, for its content by the voices that matter. It reached a very wide audience and it amplified voices of all types of women from all walks of life. Megan said since the very beginning, since before she was even married into the royal family, what principles she stood on. So when she and Harry and Will and Kate all sat on that stage and it was a heads together sort of function or forum of some kind. And Megan said, yeah, I'm a feminist. Yep. Yeah, this is what I do. Yep. And women need empowerment and women need to know that their voices matter. And yeah, you know, that's just what we, that's what we do. That's what we do where I'm from, you know. And she never deviated from that. <laughs> like Megan literally never deviated from that. Queen knows who she is. And so that audience reached far and wide. There are people who don't even buy Vogue that bought that magazine cover. And that magazine deserves the recognition that it received. And also keeping in mind that the only people who actually criticized that magazine when it came out are the same voices criticizing Megan now, the same voices who have never stopped criticizing Megan for breathing. So this award proves that you can't keep a good woman down, first and foremost. And I also respect the way that Megan just forged ahead during that time period. I believe she had worked on that magazine for like six or seven months. And a good portion of that, she was pregnant. 
So she was pregnant. She was under assault. And they still try to diminish the magazine once it hits shelves. And the issue is still getting praise nearly a year later. So well done to Harry and Meghan for being stand-up, hardworking people. That's why we love you. Congrats to Edward Innenfull also for being a great editor and also trusting Megan to do a fantastic job in which together you guys made a great team on that. So thanks for that. Now, let's just switch gears for a bit. And I'd like to ask, didn't we tell y'all that things would peel back slowly but surely and it would all be revealed? And of course, you don't need me to tell you because you know how these things go. But what happens in the dark, it must be said, because it bears repeating, always finds its way to the light. And isn't that funny how that always works out that way? It never fails. But here we are, sitting back waiting, because we already know what karma has in store. We didn't have to wait very long, did we? Because get ready. For all the dirty doers of dirty deeds to be exposed. And yeah, we've been seeing drips here and there, but I don't know if y'all are really ready for what could be coming next. So the news that came out this past week involved the legal documents that were publicized by Megan's legal team in her suit against the Daily Mail and the Associated Newspapers, which owns the Daily Mail. In those papers... She revealed that she felt unprotected by the institution. Now, on the one hand, we knew that. Like, we all knew that. We've been saying that from the beginning. And here's the thing about Sussex watchers, if you will. We've been saying that very early on because it was so obvious, right? But people who don't pay close enough attention, in which most of us, we hadn't paid this close attention until Megan and Harry got married. But the average person, they don't question what's reported about these people because they don't have a reason to, because they don't look deep enough into it. But of course, this group of people were invested in making sure this woman of color is not going over there and being mistreated. And also she's an American. So a fresh new set of eyes got to look. But for the most part, those of us that had been looking from the beginning, we saw pretty early on that they had no intentions on protecting Megan. That's one thing. But to hear her say the words in her own legal documents, this is a new level of awfulness that we can basically apply to these people. And do you want to know why? Because it is no longer up for debate. She is telling you firsthand what she experienced. And people love to jump in my comments, jump in my mentions, find me on Instagram and say, well, you know, you say a lot of things that you can't prove. Oh, you know, you say a lot of things and what are you basing it on? That's fine. You know, you have the right to question it and that's totally fine. But like, surely Megan fans are not the only ones with common sense here, are we? I mean, like, are we though? Because it's really not all that hard to see. And I'm just talking about since Megan became a member of the royal family, since Megan and Harry have been the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, 
just isolating those couple of years alone, it's not that hard to see who's on what team and what team is motivated by what Harry and Megan are doing their thing. They're motivated by philanthropy. And, and at least in the beginning, trying to be an asset to the royal family. The team that is clearly opposed to them, whether they are going to stand up and raise their hand and name themselves or not. Because right now, Megan is helping to name them at this point. But the other team is clearly against Harry and Megan. And they are comprised of, but not limited to, the British media. And, and, and we've already named the institution. And then you can add in all of those people who are anti-left, if you will, because there's a right-wing element to all of this, and that cannot be ignored. But do you know how evil you'd have to be to try to set someone up to fail and then sit back and see if your plan works and the person you're setting up is your own flesh and blood in part? If not through blood, then now through law. And while the same institution is sitting up there protecting Andrew, for example, and still doing it. Oh, yes, they're still protecting Andrew. See, but I guess when it comes to Megan, a foreigner, a foreigner of color, a foreigner of color who brings ideas that don't gel so well with the history of the institution, I guess you wouldn't want to protect someone you're determined to destroy, though, would you? And think about it. They were actually determined, and this is my belief, they were determined to destroy Harry and Meghan's union from the beginning. And I'm talking about the very beginning, from before the royal wedding. And again, this is my belief. Yes, the queen gave her blessing. Fine. But what else was she going to do? Like, what else was she going to do? After the boy had proposed, after he said that he intended to propose, tell the sixth in line that he could marry who he wanted. Not only does the queen have her heir, but he has his heir, even though he doesn't have his heir. But I can tell you what he does have. He also has his heir as well as his spares. So you're going to tell the sixth in line that he can't actually marry for love? She had no choice. But let me just back up a little bit to that love part. The marrying for love part. The being in the relationship for love part. So the media slash family... They couldn't stop the relationship from happening or progressing. Now, I don't necessarily know that the family didn't want Harry and Meghan to be in a relationship at all. But we do know the media did. And I know after they got engaged, there were some rumblings of or there's stories that there were rumblings of. William telling Harry, you know, slow things down. You're going too fast. Take your time. Whatever, whatever. But we do know that Harry, before he proposed to his wife, issued a statement 
And this this statement, it rocketed around the world. This was when they were dating. It rocketed around the world. Harry essentially said, I need y'all to stop being racist towards my girlfriend. And that that moment right there probably let a lot of people know who probably know Harry best or better than most that he was very serious about his. Now, not to say he, because I believe he did release something to that effect, you know, when he was dating Chelsea and things like that. Because I guess it can be a, a bit much. And that's an understatement. But that right there, like the fullness of that statement, I think it let a lot of people know that Harry's mind frame was in a completely different space because he was very serious about the protection of this woman that he loved. And that I believe that was a full year before they got engaged. So Harry stayed the course. Okay, engagement and Megan mania, that is the beginning. This is when they're still pre-marriage. But during this time, Harry and Meghan are essentially lighting a fire in England as Diana-level interest is lopped onto the institution again thanks to the presence of Meghan and the union between Meghan and Harry. Tourism is going up to the tune of like at least hundreds of millions, eventually billions. And the family... They also didn't want to look like the biased institution that they are by definition. So in the new era, the era of Harry and Meghan, they wanted to be fake inclusive. Not really inclusive, but let's just appear that uh, we're, we're being inclusive. Because the world is watching and, you know, Megan doesn't come from Estonia. She comes from the United States of America, right? So we're a nation of about 300 million people. We're looking. If anybody, if nobody else is looking, we're looking. But of course, the world is looking at this point. But the other thing about Megan being an American is that America is a place that has a very powerful world media presence. Media, you know, So we're watching, watching, you know. And so in this phase, the media and the family, they grit their teeth and they smile. And Harry and Meghan, they stay the course. Cut to the wedding. The royal wedding. Meghan and Harry caught the world's attention, as they would. And the world literally stopped to witness their union. Their wedding. This is not something that happened when the other ones got married. I am sorry to report, but it is true. People didn't care. I mean, people cared. People cared there, of course. I think a lot of the Commonwealth nations cared. And of course, at that time, people actually still respected Will. So they didn't know a whole lot about Kate. So a lot of people tuned in. But I remember, honestly, like I distinctly remember not caring. Not to be rude. I just did not care. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, 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 cool. That was my attitude. I did not care. Um, And just like I distinctly remember, though, I distinctly remember caring when Harry got married. And I will tell you this. It doesn't matter who Harry would have married. I like Harry. So I would have cared about that. Now that he's marrying someone who is from my country, that makes me care a little bit more. Marrying someone who is a person of color, that makes me care a little bit more. I mean, I'm sorry to put it that way, but 
even still, I will go back to what I just said. I don't care who he would have married. I still would have cared. Now, would I have waken up at 3 a.m. in the morning just to watch it? I don't know. But I will tell you this. There's a better chance. There's a much better chance that the answer to that question is yes, as compared to the future futures wedding, because didn't care even a little bit, not, not even half a little bit. You feel me? And so that's that, but more people cared. And, and, and it's really right along the lines of why Harry is more popular in England than will well before, even before will himself got married. Harry was more popular. He just was. He just was. Uh, and, and and still is, you could argue. So anyway, I, along with millions of other people, at least in America, because it was morning over here, I remember waking up. And you know how sometimes you wake up and you're tired and you're like, you have to psych yourself up to get excited about what you woke up for? No, nah, I was up. I was like. <laughs> I was wide awake, friend. I was wide awake. It it was, you know, the only thing that I compare it to is Beachella because that was about that hour. But I remember, I remember getting up and I was just like, oh, girl, we ready because we ready. You know, we ready. Then that's just that. So I remember being excited. And the first thing I do is I hop on Twitter and it's just a live tweeting of the event. And it was just really a moment. It was a moment for a lot of people who just wanted to share in their joy. Plus, again, people just like Harry better. We just like we like the guy. And people just wanted to see him happy. And boy, did that wedding prove just how happy he was just radiating from the inside out how happy he was to have found his love and we could all see that it was the love he deserved you know what I mean and so the world just watched and lifted them up and wished them well and then after it was over we remembered their love for one another and hoped that it would carry them through and while it looked like a fairy tale It has all the makings of a fairy tale. And it was very beautiful. It was gorgeous. Deep down, though, many of us already knew what they were up against. And we knew it wouldn't actually be a fairy tale once it was all over. But for that moment, we just ignored it. And we rooted for them to just stay the course, which they are still doing and have done from the beginning. But they became the main draw, like that moment right there. Really, I want to say it was the engagement, but especially from that wedding, though, they became the main draw within that family. You guys ever seen that video and it's been circulating a lot in the last month or so? I can't remember what it was, but it's like... um, They're all in carriages. I can't remember what the name of the event was. It's on the tip of my tongue, but they're all in carriages. And then the crowd is there watching them leave. And there's a carriage with like the queen and there's a carriage with Charles and Camilla. And then the third care or or like there's a carriage with like Beatrice and all of them in there. And then the third carriage is Megan and Harry. And I think like Sophie or somebody, (laughs) because I don't know any of their names. Um, But when the third carriage comes along, 
you hear the crowd energy change. And they and again, they love Harry, but they're not even calling Harry's name. They're calling Megan's name. It's Megan, Megan, Megan. And the whole energy changed. It's like it was a huge buildup in a matter of like three seconds. Megan was brand new to the family. Technically, she's still brand new. But at that, that was like, <laughs> that was one of her first, I don't know, like five events, I believe, or engagements. They were the main draw for that family instantly. And after their wedding, Harry and Meghan were really like the only people that anybody cared to talk about, write about, gossip about, lie about, think about. And as a matter of fact, Google Royal Wedding and see what Google tells you about it. You won't see Charles and Diana. You won't see copy and paste. But you will see Harry and Meghan. All of the links are Harry and Meghan. Now, if you click on images, you're going to see the majority of the photos are of Harry and Meghan. And this is a full two years later. This is more than two years later at this point. So that's power. That's how that's how much people were talking about that moment. And the royal wedding is that wedding and no other weddings because that's the royal one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or at least that's what Google's telling you. That's what the Internet tells you. So that shows you the power, the star power of that couple. And so from there, they begin to completely overshadow the institution through no fault of their own and Thereby, they were the institution's biggest assets. But the flip side of that is they were the institution's biggest target. It's the same coin. So they couldn't stop the relationship. They couldn't stop the wedding from happening. And side note, actually, do you guys remember Dickie Arbiter, the old guy? And he said that this was before the engagement even, (laughs) long before the engagement, he said that Megan was just a piece of tail to Harry and that he wouldn't propose. She's just, in his words, a fling. That guy was the queen's mouthpiece for uh, 12 years. So these are the same types of people that this now husband and wife, Dickie Arbiter, because they are husband and wife and parents to a child, These are the same types of people, the same toxic attitudes that Harry and Meghan have been up against since the beginning. Now, fast forward to October of their wedding year. They are pregnant and announcing it just before a major tour, the tour that everybody has their eyes on because they want to see whether the star power actually translates in other places in the Commonwealth and Do they carry the world's attention with them wherever they go? Short answer, yes. But the tour is nice and the world continues to fall in love with them. Then the tour is over and then the games begin. There was a switch after that tour. And this is a moment within the tour that Sussex Squad picked up on real quick. Real quick. And it was a moment in, I believe it was Tonga, when Megan was wearing that white dress and the fascinator Harry had on his gray suit. And 
they walked out on the balcony and there were literally thousands of people cheering for them. They looked like the king and queen of England. You know, (laughs) they really did. Not that they want to be, but people showed up. You know what I mean? And Sussex Squad pointed out very quickly. Because by this time, like, we were really paying attention. This is the moment that the royal family sat up a little bit and said, and the British media, by the way, sat up a little bit and said, hmm, so what are we going to do about that? And then that's when the games began. Because if you notice when Meghan and Harry got back from that tour, you couldn't get away from a lie printed in a paper, especially in the Daily Mail about Meghan. And they were talking about, I mean, we're talking about things going way back to the wedding days. That was when that whole She Made Kate Cry fiasco or that article came about. I mean, just all kinds of stupid stuff. Lies about them. And then it became normal. And so the piling on just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And keep in mind that Megan is pregnant. And she's working full time. The lies, the smears, the awful untruths about Megan, they begin and they try to sabotage her every effort. So Megan makes food and creates a cookbook with Muslim women. Then come the cries of terrorism. Didn't hear a peep of defense from Kensington Palace. Megan has a baby shower in New York and she eats an avocado. Then come the cries of famine in Mexico. Didn't hear a word from Kensington Palace. Megan touches her bump lovingly. Then there come the cries that Megan is attention-seeking. Megan wakes up at 5 a.m. Oh, well, then she's a diva. You know, she's ordering the staff around. Hurricane Megan, in parentheses, created by Hurricane Carol. If you know, you know. Megan does a Vogue cover with Edward Innenfull. And then all of a sudden she's anti-white because there are only five white women on the cover, says Camilla Tomini, and on and on and on. And can I just emphasize that Megan was battered all throughout her pregnancy, like the entirety of it. How many times do you think Kensington Palace actually spoke up on her behalf or Buckingham Palace? I can count on about two fingers, if that. And this is all while the press is cashing in and the family is thinking that they're capitalizing off of this woman's pain by not speaking up. See, but God don't like ugly and karma is real. Ain't it? Because the whole time we were keeping receipts. Everybody was keeping receipts, apparently. And you want to know who did speak up over and over? That woman's husband, a real man, a real Prince Charming, you feel me? And the beauty of what they went through, and I admit the silver linings are hard to find, but the beauty is that we saw this man's love for his wife in action. 
Just seeing the way he fought for her peace of mind and her safety against long odds, really, especially when it comes to the emotional and the mental torment they tried to put that woman through against long odds and against blood relatives. At worst, they're conspiring with the press to harm your family for their benefit. And at best, they're ignoring your pain and waiting for your family to break. Ooh, the evilness of it all. Like, I'm serious. Do you know how evil you have to be to set a trap for your own kin and wait to see if they fall in it? Then fast forward to October of 2019. Harry spoke out again in South Africa, announcing the suit that we are now witnessing play out. He and his wife, he said they suffered in silence. She suffered in silence, especially while pregnant. And he worried about the health of his child. And he was torn up witnessing her pain, seeing her bullied, seeing her not being able to say anything while these same forces expected her to be silent. Harry said all of that in the statement, more or less, more or less. What he didn't say, it was inferred. These people tried to harm his firstborn. And when Tom Bradby asked Megan in that, in that clip of that documentary while they were in Africa, how she felt, and she said, not a lot of people have asked me if I'm okay. That was the moment that I began to actually hate the royal family. Not going to lie. I despised them up to that point. You know, it was a sort of a slow progression to like, you know, indifference to annoyance to dislike to like disgust <laughs> to like contempt to like outright hatred. Seriously. Because, like, when she said that, not a lot of people have asked me if I'm okay. Who else could she be talking about? All of her friends, the majority of her friends, were back in North America. Who else could she be? You know, they want her to smile and be happy in the photos of the joint engagements. But then when the engagement is, is over, it's bringing the knives back out, stabbing people in the back. That right there made it clear. And this is why the last engagement where Megan was wearing the green with the cape and the farewell tour. This is why everybody zeroed in on Kate because the facade was down then. That's how you really feel. That's how you really feel. You can't hide it no more. And you don't want to hide it no more. But up until that point, you were hiding it. And I'm not just talking about Kate. I'm talking about the whole institution at this point. Y'all were hiding it. Y'all wanted her to be the workhorse. Y'all wanted Harry and his wife to do the work while y'all sit at home and do nothing, essentially. And never having to worry about being battered in the press. But now that Harry and Meghan are gone, I'm back to feeling indifferent. You know... I really don't care whether they exist as an institution or not. I don't. I, I don't. I don't. But as long as she was there, as long as they were there essentially trying to fight for their dignity, I was angry, bro. I was mad. And to be honest, that whole period, it is the only way 
that I can see the royal family because that highlighted for me as somebody who is paying attention to Harry and Meghan, that highlighted for me who they are. And I'm talking about the family, who the family is and how they operate. But you don't need to look really all that far back in history because all the signs are there. All the clues are there. Megan even said in that same documentary, all of my friends who live over here were begging me not to do it. They were begging me not to do it. But that moment in that documentary, it said to me that the family, they knew the role they wanted Harry and Meghan to play. And they knew they they knew the role that they were playing in what they thought would be Meghan's downfall or Harry and Meghan's downfall. And they would do absolutely nothing to stop it. They would do nothing to stop the press. Essentially, they would watch her suffer and pretend that she wasn't. See, because in that case, the never explain, the never complain rule, oh, that works out fine. Oh, it works out great. It's great. Well, you know, we never complain. We never explain. So, but let somebody see a weave track in Kate's head. Oh, it's, oh girl, they, they tearing that typewriter up. Cause we're going to release a statement saying, oh, what hair extensions wear? Where's this baby Botox wear dough? And well, she we know she ain't getting no Botox, at least in the quarantine anyway. But that's me being petty because I, I was tr- really trying not to be petty. But whatever, girl, because I don't care about these folks. Oh, and in case you don't know, Christian Jones, the guy who was the Sussex press secretary for a while, and I haven't talked about him a lot on here and I'm not going to really get that deep into it. But his partner is good, good friends with Dan Wooten. So Christian Jones, who is now, I believe, working for the Cambridges, like still working for the Cambridges. So like he's their guy, apparently. But at the time he was working for both the Cambridges and the Sussexes. Do you remember how when Harry and Meghan were at KP, leaks, I mean, you just couldn't stop the leaks. I mean, it was just leaky everywhere. Well, now it appears a little bit clear how those leaks could have gotten out. And that's because Jones, and he does deny it, I have to say that, but the fact that Christian Jones' partner is good friend with the very reporter who had all the breaking stories for The Sun, that turned out to be true, at least in part, pushed Harry and Meghan to break their own news about their move to America. That is just too much of a coincidence for me. So Harry and Meghan, they were surrounded by snakes. Again, Christian Jones, he works for Kate and Will now. And get this, when Byline did their piece on it about Prince Harry's, you know, threat to sue the son, Christian Jones jumped out of nowhere and denied everything when no one even accused him of the first thing. Byline didn't even accuse him. And to be honest, that whole period It is the only way that I can see the royal family because that highlighted for me as somebody who is paying attention to Harry and Meghan, that highlighted for me who they are. And I'm talking about the family, who the family is and how they operate. But you don't need to look really all that far back in history because 
All the signs are there. All the clues are there. Megan even said in that same documentary, all of my friends who live over here were begging me not to do it. They were begging me not to do it. But that moment in that documentary, it said to me that the family, they knew the role they wanted Harry and Meghan to play. And they knew they they knew the role that they were playing in what they thought would be Meghan's downfall or Harry and Meghan's downfall. And they would do absolutely nothing to stop it. They would do nothing to stop the press. Essentially, they would watch her suffer and pretend that she wasn't. See, because in that case, the never explain, the never complain rule, oh, that works out fine. Oh, it works out great. It's great. Well, you know, we never complain. We never explain. So, but let somebody see a weave track in Kate's head. Oh, it's, oh girl, they, they tearing that typewriter up. Cause we're going to release a statement saying, oh, what hair extensions wear? Where's this baby Botox wear dough? And well, she, we know she ain't getting no Botox, at least in the quarantine anyway. But that's me being petty because I, I was tr- really trying not to be petty. But whatever, girl, because I don't care about these folks. Oh, and in case you don't know, Christian Jones, the guy who was the Sussex press secretary for a while, and I haven't talked about him a lot on here, and I'm not going to really get that deep into it. But his partner is good, good friends with Dan Wooten. So Christian Jones, who is now, I believe, working for the Cambridges, like still working for the Cambridges. So like he's their guy, apparently. But at the time he was working for both the Cambridges and the Sussexes. Do you remember how when Harry and Meghan were at KP, leaks, I mean, you just couldn't stop the leaks. I mean, it was just leaky everywhere. Well, now it appears a little bit clear how those leaks could have gotten out. And that's because Jones, and he does deny it, I have to say that, but the fact that Christian Jones' partner is good friend with the very reporter who had all the breaking stories for The Sun, that turned out to be true, at least in part, pushed Harry and Meghan to break their own news about their move to America. That is just too much of a coincidence for me. So Harry and Meghan, they were surrounded by snakes. Again, Christian Jones, he works for Kate and Will now. And get this, when Byline did their piece on it about Prince Harry's, you know, threat to sue the son, Christian Jones jumped out of nowhere and denied everything when no one even accused him of the first thing. Byline didn't even accuse him. But it did let the world know, yeah, your partner is friends with this guy who works for The Sun, who is also about to be sued by Harry. And so the connection is already there. So in essence, he kind of told on himself because nobody even asked you anything. You are who you are and you work for who you work for. And the leaks happen. And, you know, your partner is your partner. But nobody asked you if you did anything. But anyway, uh, so that right there is just one of the things that helps paint the picture of, of what Harry and Meghan were up against. So about that lawsuit, a new set of documents have come out and Meghan is suing the Associated Newspapers Limited. 
Among the most striking findings from these documents is the fact that, again, Megan herself says that she felt unprotected by the, quote, institution. Now, those are her words. She uses the word institution. And I want to be clear about that. She's not saying she felt unprotected by the royal family, but those are my words. Okay? Not that I'm trying to speak for Megan. But we know what the family is capable of and we know what, you know, what they're kind of made of. We know that. Again, history. And while, yeah, there are press secretaries and aides and workers around the actual members of the royal family, they don't call the shots, do they? They're the foot soldiers. They follow directives. And if their directive is to sit on their hands, then that's what they'll do. If their directive is to speak up on behalf of a royal family member and release a statement, then that's what they'll do too. Megan's lack of protection was by design. It is the only possibility here. She felt unprotected by the institution, the same institution that did not protect Princess Diana, the same institution that prevented Margaret from marrying who she wanted to marry, the same institution that is protecting Andrew from facing the justice that he deserves. It ain't the butlers. So Megan is naming the devil now. She said she was unprotected by them and she was prohibited from defending herself. Now, didn't we tell y'all it was going to come out? Megan said these people, while I was pregnant, did nothing to shield me from the onslaught of hatred, not from the media, not from the little scalawags on Instagram, not from anybody. And the reason why they didn't shield her from the beginning was that she was a shield for them. That's why they kept her hands tied. And now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that's a part of the reason why Harry was the one releasing all the statements and not Megan. And which, honestly, that's how it should be. That's his family. That's the life that he's used to. He's used to knowing how to communicate to be heard in that particular context. And then also he's a man of his family. He's protecting his wife. She was pregnant at the time and she's also new to the country. So that's fine. But we know Megan ain't got no problem speaking for herself either or speaking up on her behalf, whether it's for herself or people that she cares about or causes that she cares about, etc. But when she said that she couldn't defend herself, like she said that in her legal documents, that is a larger problem. And it also says to me that the entities that were colluding with one another, they thought that it would be indefinitely, like this would last indefinitely, like she would be their prisoner, if you will indefinitely because what else was she going to do the tabloids thought the clicks would continue forever and therefore the abuse could continue forever because megan was supposed to just be grateful to be there remember and harry the spare well what else was he going to do too what are they going to do if they leave oh they need this now she can't go back to acting after this yeah they're ours at this point that was the mentality I think that's so abusive that's so disgusting and I think we know the press thought that but I feel like the family felt that way too and specifically from the family side 
it was all this talk of a slimmed down monarchy after a while, after the Africa tour, which to be honest, is perfectly fine, except they wanted the heavy lifting of the burden of the monarchy to be done by the Sussexes, of the burden of keeping the monarchy relevant, I should say. While the rest of them were just sitting back, watching the abuse, and sitting on their hands, not defending them against it. Evil. And Diana said it. She said, you'd have to be crazy to join that family knowing who they are. And no disrespect to Harry. But Harry know what's up. Don't it, boo. You know what's up. He'd been wanting to leave that family for years. And he left. Now, those documents also talk about Megan's friends and KP's role and what Megan could and couldn't say when they watched their friend suffer day in and day out. Essentially, Megan's friends were silent. And so here's a quote. As her friends had never seen her in this state before, they were rightly concerned for her welfare, specifically as she was pregnant unprotected by the institution and prohibited from defending herself. Now, those documents also say that Kensington Palace communications team had a policy of asking Megan's friends and family to say no comment to media requests, which led to Megan's friends feeling silence and likely contributed to their anonymous participation in that People magazine article where there were the five friends. You remember they said, well, we don't know what they're talking about over there, but that is not the Megan that we have known for years. This is what we know about her. And the reason that People Magazine article was important is because, or at least noteworthy at the time, was because the friends were all anonymous. And we know Megan is very social. We can name a lot of her friends by name. But all of the sources were anonymous, which in hindsight makes sense. Because KP tried to silence her friends. And again, it makes me wonder, did you know they would come to their defense because of what you might have had planned for her? You know, because they wouldn't have to worry about that if Megan was basically a virtually unknown before marrying Harry. Megan had a whole fan base, sis. Megan had more followers on her own Instagram than KP had on its Instagram at the time that she met Harry. So <laughs> maybe they thought, well, let's let's just nip it in the bud while we can. And so those friends spoke up. They still spoke up, but it was anonymous. And continuing with the text, it says the stance of no comment was taken by the KP communications team without any discussion or approval by the claimant, Megan as is standard practice for royal communications. Had the claimant, Megan, been asked or been given the opportunity to participate, she would have asked KP's communication team to say on the record that she had not been involved with the People Magazine article as she had not been, end quote. So a couple things. If the standard is to involve the royal family member in those decisions made by the communications team and that didn't happen with Megan, then you're basically saying she's not good enough for the standard. So let's just make this decision for her. That's messed up. That's disrespectful. It's just downright disrespectful. 
especially knowing full well this woman is capable, if not more capable than the rest of you goons, to make this decision on, on her own behalf. So essentially, Megan, you cannot defend yourself. And not only can your friends not defend you, we won't even allow you to be a part of the decisions that go into your friends not being able to defend you. So Kensington Palace deliberately cut Megan out of that process. She was completely unaware that that decision had been made on her behalf, behind her back. And they didn't respect her enough to bring her into that conversation. So y'all really need to understand just how eager Kensington Palace was to see this woman fail. And if she wasn't going to fail on her own, they were going to help her. And the fact that Megan has friends that are powerful and connected and the royal family found a way to silence them, again, that they had to be anonymous, that says a lot. And when the People magazine article came out, the British press were saying Megan coordinated the whole thing when she didn't. She didn't even know about it until the day it came out. Man, Megan was utterly vilified. And do you know what Kensington Palace did while she was being trashed every day? They sat back, watched her suffer with her hands tied behind her back, knowing they supplied the rope. Allegedly. That, I mean, that's, that's what it is. Meanwhile, just this past month, all of Karen's friends, her quote unquote friends, they're saying some terrible things about Harry and Meghan including that they threw Will and Kate's three children under the bus. And again, it didn't even take half a day to put out a statement in Kate's defense. They came out swinging. Somebody tell me why Kate's friends are not silenced the way Megan's friends were. And in fact, they were given a platform to speak freely about Kate. It's only when the article's reception made Kate look bad that Kensington Palace released a statement at all. But when they didn't know how it would be received, they were all in. And see, the difference between Megan and the People magazine piece and Kate and the Tatler piece is that Kate had been working on the Tatler piece for months in advance. Megan, on the other hand, never knew about the People magazine piece. The media tried to make it seem as though she had planned it all. So I'm finding that a lot of what the media accuses Megan of doing is actually going on behind closed doors at Kensington Palace. But of course, Will and Kate, they always get the pass, whereas Megan and Harry always get the blame. It's been obvious that there are some collaborations going on between the, the tabloids and certain members of the royal family. Yep. And for those who don't know, Kensington Palace is Humpty Dumpty and Karen Middleton headquarters. And in hindsight, it's almost overkill the way they would come out for every little thing that was said about Kate. Because looking back, we see that none of that was being done for Megan. Like not even a little bit of that was being done in defense of Megan. And because it is so imbalanced, it now appears deliberate, designed. Harry also said in South Africa, in that documentary, if you know the things that I know, and I'm paraphrasing, if you know the things that I know, you'd understand why I'm protecting my family the way I am. 
He said that. We don't know whether he's talking about what he's experienced behind the scenes in that moment for the royal family shenanigans in general. But either way, he was letting people know that things are never what they appear. And now that the facade is peeling off a little bit more every day, we're starting to see what Megan went through specifically. And again, it cannot be overstated that while Megan was going through all of these things that she endured, at the very same time, the institution had been and continues to protect Andrew and help him cover up the most incredibly vile behaviors. And by the way, shout out to all the officials in the United States who are not letting up on that end. Because if you haven't heard, Andrew's good friend, Ghislaine Maxwell, she's just been arrested. And they literally said, Andrew, we want to talk to you, sis. We ain't went nowhere. So whenever you're ready, we just want to talk. And one day at a time, the world is seeing the institution for what it is, which is a farce. Both the institution of the British tabloids and the royal family. They complain about financing Meghan and Harry for the work they're doing, but you don't hear nearly as many complaints about the others who are doing the greatest disservice to the firm and to the country. That family is really making y'all's country a laughingstock in the Western world. Granted, the West pretty much feels like it's on fire right now. And God knows America has its own problems, but... I feel like the royal family has a combined IQ of 100. And somehow they've managed to convince the people of England that they are needed. And I feel like all the other royal families of Europe have adapted to the times and actually mean it. At least it appears so. I don't look that closely. But now that I'm looking closely at England's clowns, it it really seems like they're only pretending so they can stay relevant. And even then, they couldn't control their hatred of the half-black American who has more talent in her toenail clippings than the entire family combined. And they still can't admit that they messed up. And now it seems like they're trying to adopt many of the ideas that she brought with her. Ideas that were not championed by the royal family until she got there. Not that the ideas are new, but in that space, action toward them is new. So championing women and communities of color in London. Now, with a family, it's all surface. They're all about appearances. Never forget that. But Camilla talking about women and domestic violence and their mental health is it's very interesting. I mean, everything from the way they do their social media now, all of that has changed. They even snatched up Harry and Meghan's staff. All this, we care about mental health and racism in sports and children's development is important from Will and Kate is frankly disgusting. Because if you cared about the mental health of persons of color or anybody of any color, you would have started with your sister-in-law who was new, not just to the family, but to the country. And so while y'all are telling your friends in the press that you wish them well during this happy time of their engagement and new marriage, you were conspiring behind their backs. And instead of making her feel welcome when the cameras weren't rolling, you made her feel isolated. And if you cared about fetal development and infant health, you would have started with your nephew. That child was literally under assault for the entire time he was in utero. 
And when the media vilified Megan for touching her belly, knowing all she was going through, trying to ensure the safety of her unborn son, it is my belief that these two institutions waited to see if she would miscarry. I mean, what else could it be? It makes no sense to go at anybody that hard, let alone a pregnant woman. People didn't think they would conceive as early as they did. And they showed no regard for her life or her son's life. And let me remind the girls, Harry is the only one who showed that he cared. And so it really shouldn't surprise anyone that Archie hasn't set foot on England soil since, what, 2019? I mean, because I know there's a pandemic happening, but uh, let's not forget, they came back one time. Megan went, came back to America. Then they did their farewell tour. And I know coronavirus was just starting and all of that. Truth, truthfully, you do want to... Um, exercise caution in all, in all in all ways but i mean i wouldn't be surprised if it's a smooth year before archie goes back to england for any reason for any reason and what's the point of getting upset about him not being there cuz it didn't seem like they wanted him there anyway so he's american now period and i also remember like in January, because it was right after the new year, there was an article saying the Cambridges want to spend more time with Archie. And I knew when I read that, not a good idea for one, because that's one child we not going to corrupt, but that's just me. But it turns out Megan and Harry thought the same thing. <laughs> Megan and Harry probably thought the same thing. As in over my dead body, sis. Period, sis. And Archie ain't been back. So we love that. Uh, we talked about Christian Jones and Dan Wooten and all the briefings that were going on with the Sussexes. But it's probably a good time just to remind people that royal reporters have been saying for quite a while now that the family were going against Harry and Meghan. So there's this famous tweet, this famous by now, of, of uh, the royal reporter, Palm Olive, saying, quote, nobody in the royal family or the royal household is supporting Harry and Meghan at the moment. This was right after the Africa tour, by the way. I mean, imagine, <laughs> right after this major tour, in the Commonwealth, you're using their label to promote the monarchy. And the point of the point of me bringing that up is he's basically telling us what what now we get to hear from the Sussexes in some way or another. Not that we will hear it in plain language, but and no, I don't always believe what Palm Olive has to say when it comes to Harry and Meghan. But when Dan Wooten and Richard Palmer and Emily Andrews start throwing the royal family under the bus just so they can save their own behinds, you have no choice but to believe them when they say that the royal family has been completely unsupportive of Harry and Meghan, and in particular Meghan. Because if you remember at the time that any of these tweets were released by these reporters, the pressure was on in some kind of way. 
either Sussex Squad was putting pressure on people or the media was now getting attention for the harsh treatment that they gave the Sussexes. So now they're trying to, you know, save face or save the skin on their back. Oh, they threw the royal family under the bus when before that they were working in cahoots. And what I love about Harry specifically is that he made it very simple for the critics of his wife, whether it was a royal family, whether it was a royal reporters. He said, in essence, if you don't support my wife, then you don't support me. If my wife can't be here, then neither can I. Because guess what, girls, we're a package deal. And there's nothing you can do to break this union. So if she got to go, then I got to go. And we out. Now, imagine being Harry, someone who has damn near single handedly kept the monarchy relevant in the years before he even met his wife, only to be completely unsupported by the same institution once he found the person that makes him the happiest he's ever been. Because they are envious of his happiness. And not only that, they're envious of his freedom, envious of his popularity. So much so that they conspired with the very forces, including Will. They've all conspired with the forces that caused Harry's mother's life to end in the middle of his childhood. And they're mistaken if they think he ever forgot that. Henry ain't the one to be played with. And so this is where we are. We are in a little town called Carmaville, where karma comes swiftly to those who deserve it most. And no one deserves it more than the two institutions that tried to end a relationship before it progressed. They tried to tear a marriage apart before it got off the ground. And they sat back and watched a pregnant woman suffer. And now that Harry and Meghan are gone and they're doing their own thing, the world is focused on the royal family and not in a good way. It ain't just Sussex Squad anymore. Do y'all realize that? Like, it ain't just us because, like, we don't really care. We poke and we make fun and we ha we have laughs. But like the rest of the world, and you also have to consider the fact that most people are still at home. Everybody's sort of trying to keep in touch with what's going on in the world on Twitter. And at the same time, Kensington Palace, and, and particularly Kens Kensington Palace, but the others too, they're all trying to stay relevant. And people got a lot of time on their hands to sit here and critique and then ask themselves, do we really need these folks? I mean, look, we don't make the rules, but it ain't just Sussex squad. <laughs> okay. So the spotlight is squarely on them and we're all sitting back waiting for them to fail because we want to watch it crumble because it's what they deserve. I mean, <laughs> at the minimum, it is what they deserve. And I'm here to tell you right now, I refuse to look away. Every day brings a new revelation, especially now that, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell is about to sing like a bird. I got my popcorn ready and I'd really just like to see him squirm a little bit. You know, and isn't it amazing how karmic timing is really just always perfect. And Harry and Meghan, you know, they just got right out of the way. They never stopped doing the work that that's important to them. But they let that spotlight go right to the people who wanted it the most. And now people are critical of everything the royal family does, and rightfully so. Because all of their efforts have ulterior self-serving motives. And they're still trying to live up to Harry and Meghan's standard, and we all know they're never going to. 
And that's why they'll always fail. And you know what? That song slaps. And so, you know what that, that's pretty much all I have for today. Thanks as always for tuning in. You know where to find me. I'm on Instagram at Sussex Set. You can find me on Twitter at Sussex Squad. You can find me on Patreon at Sussex Set. And also, I forgot to shout out Homeboy Industries. You may remember Harry and Megan. They pretty much showed up ready to work, help make some meals with them. Homeboy Industries is a charity and organization that helps to reintegrate people that either have left the gang life or maybe they are coming out of an incarceration situation, reintegrate them back into society and to be productive, but also to one of those other things. It's another resource to gear people toward finding employment and things like that. And it's a community-based organization. And one of the things that I really loved about that, as well as the Project Angel Food, is that once Harry and Megan leave a space, they're so genuine and authentic that they leave a trail of goodness behind them to where when people seek out those who are a part of the organization to talk about Harry and Megan they're consistently echoing some of the same things, which is always a good thing because it shows you that they're not just doing these things for show. The The cameras, yeah, if they're there and you don't hear about it until the charity shares it, Harry and Megan are not aching to share it, right? They're just showing up and doing the work. But there's always someone who can't wait to talk about their experience with them. And that's always a great sign. That's why we love our faves. But definitely, please check out Homeboy Industries. I, th- I thought they all looked really awesome in their their masks and their uh, their aprons that said homies and home, homeboy and homegirl. But um, definitely check them out. They, they sound like a really great organization and they're right in line with just that community-based type of organization that, makes our towns and cities strong. You know, we're, we're kind of all in this thing together. And if nothing else, the pandemic has shown us that. So kudos to them. I will also put a link to their website in the description notes. So definitely check that out. Thank you guys as always for listening. I love each and every one of you. I love this community and I look forward to all that Harry and Megan have in store for us have in store for a lot of people and also just ways to contribute and to be a part of a larger community. So thank you guys for that. Thank you for listening as always. And until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me.